then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Here ends the reading. Grace as we read the gospel. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, when then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate the people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did you see the hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcomed, or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You cursed into the internal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you gave, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do to least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go way into eternal punishment, but is righteousness unto eternal life. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Today we come to the close of this church year, a year that's been focused on the life of the ministry of Jesus Christ according to the Gospel of Matthew. And it comes to us in this closure, in the week in which Christ is being crucified. Now as you can remember, we have been going through the chapter 25 of Matthew the last few weeks. And at the time of Matthew, this was being spoken and written, not written, but spoken, Jesus is with his disciples on the Mount Olive, looking over Jerusalem, discussing the end of the age, the kingdom of heaven, and the age that will come. After this conversation, after this reading in scripture, what takes part is the, the, basically the closing of what will happen at the end of this week. We have the plot that will decide the fate of Christ. 
We have the Lord's Supper, in which we will partake today together. And then we actually have the crucifixion itself and the resurrection. Our gospel year ends with this parable of what the Bible calls, at least, you know, the header in the Bible says, final judgment. As we understand that Jesus is discussing the kingdom of heaven and the coming of the age, this parable is a little bit clearer than the last few parables that we've been teaching. It's a little abnormal parable. Now, it's true, some scholars and some pastors will say, well, this is not technically a parable. And they have their reasons. But for me and for others, we would disagree. We disagree because the, the imagery, the image, the, Im, the imagery, the symbolism, <laughs> can't pronounce that word today, been working on it all weekend. Uh, the, the symbolism is the same as it continues through the other parables. There's a connection that draws the line that makes it and continue as a parable. Unlike the others, parables, this event actually will take place at one point of history. This is kind of the argument of why it's not really a parable. They argue because it actually will occur. It's an actual event that it testifies. It's like a prophecy, which is true. It is a prophecy in which will take place, but it's also a parable. It's a parable prophecy, you could say. And it, can, it is all connected to each other. It's all connected in Scripture. The parable begins saying this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit in his glorious throne. Before he will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate the people from another, just as a sheep separates, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. The stage is said in this parable that the Son of Man, Christ himself, will be seated on his glorious throne with all the angels around him. Then we know that there will be a big gathering, kind of similar to what we talked about on All Saints Day, but a little bit different. In this gathering, there will be a great separation, a separation that will take place. And the shepherd, Christ, will separate the sheep from the goats. It's important that we think about this idea of the shepherd and the separating itself. And it's something we really have to important for us to notice. Now, I have been to many county fairs growing up. I like county fairs. They're fun. And most county fairs, if they're a true county fair, so they don't have cattle barns, they're not really a true county fair. But most of them will have a county, uh, uh, cattle barns. Having farmers in my family, especially having veterinarians, we often spend a lot of time in the cattle barns looking over the animals, the cows that are being showed. My father himself grew up showing animals in the Minnesota State Fair. So it was such a great time as a father and son walking through this, this, this county fair and state fairs, him sharing his stories of how he was showing the cattle, his cows and pigs that he had. He had no sheep, pigs and cows mostly. And about the practical jokes he would take place. And we would always visit. We would get the cows. We would then get the pigs. We would get the horses. And we would go to the sheep and the goat barn. Now, the truth is, if you're not really used to seeing the animals that are usually being shown, if you're walking through and you're not paying attention to signs, sometimes it's actually really hard to tell 
the difference between the sheep and the, and the, the, sheep and the goat. Especially if they had a fresh cut, the sheep had a fresh cut, they're all looked, they're all groomed really nice, they're all bathed well, their, their beards are trimmed, and, or they don't, they're young goats, or they're young sheep. They don't even have any of that yet. They have no horns or nothing. If you're just looking at them, at the flick of an eye, you cannot really tell well if it's really a sheep or a goat. Unless you are a farmer or a shepherd yourself then you know what to look for. You know the subtle differences in how they act, how they walk, how their face, their lips, and so on. Their personalities are almost the same. In fact, in biblical times, sheep and goats often were herded together. This idea of, you know, we, we hear about, you know, David in the Psalms, writing about shepherding the sheep and separating the goats and so on. It's something he would have had to do. It was common because, generally speaking, their behavior is very similar. But they're not exactly the same. They don't always eat the same food, which makes it easy for them to herd together. Because while the sheep will look for a certain type of food that they like, the goats would pick up other food in which the sheep wouldn't eat. So there would be kind of plenty enough food for them both. Now, unlike today, where we have our commercial farmings, where we would never, as a big commercial farm, we would never place goats and sheep together just because of the mechanics of the minerals they require, the vaccinations and so on are slightly different, although mostly are the same. It just doesn't make sense to put them together. But if you had a small farm, which some of you might have a small farm, and you might have sheep and you might have goats, generally speaking, you would herd them together. But there would become a point even back then in Jesus' time, even today, where you would need to separate the goats and the sheep. And the reason you would need to separate them for a practical reason is to make sure that they are eating the correct amount of food and minerals that they require. Especially, oh, goats, they like their iron, as in the whole point of they would eat anything, including metal tin, right? But the shepherd, the farmer, he would know he could clearly separate them. He could spot them out. Oh, that's a sheep, that's a goat, that's a sheep, that's a goat. Now, it is true that some goats are very clearly different from sheep. Likewise, there are some species of sheep that are very distinctively closer to, not totally different from goats. But the point I'm trying to draw at is that to the common eye, to the most person, they look very similar to each other, and it's hard to see the differences. And it takes a shepherd, an expert, someone who really knows the differences between the two to separate them. And here we have the, the, the symbolism. We have Christ as a shepherd taking his big flock, separating the sheep and the goats from each other. And after they separate, he takes the sheep and he puts them on his right hand. He takes the goats and he puts them on the left hand. And he tells the sheep that you will be blessed. You'll be blessed to go into my father's house, the house, the very house in which I have been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Can I remember the bride and the grooms, the, 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 the symbolism of how the groom went back home to build the house for the bride? It's all connected. We have this connection here going on here. The house is prepared. It's already built. It's ready. And he says the reason why, because when I was the king and I was hungry, you gave me food. 
For when I was the king and you were thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was the king and I was your stranger to you, you welcomed me. And when I was the king and I was naked, you found clothes for me. And when I was the king and I was sick or in prison, you took time to visit me. You took time to care for me. Now the story continues. And we, we read that on the left side of the goats, who are now called the righteous, will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty or give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? They wondered to the Lord. They wondered, when did you ever like this? You're the king. You are the Lord. When were you ever like this? We never saw you hungry. We never saw you thirsty. We never saw you as a stranger because you're the king. We know what you look like. You were never naked. You always had clothes. You were never thirsty. And you were never in sick or in prison because you are the Lord. How can you be sick? How can you be in prison? These righteous people were on the left. They questioned the king's statement. They questioned the, the king's logic in which he declared to the sheep. Now there are some important things in this gospel reading that we need to point out. First, if you notice that the people on the left were no longer called goats, but they were called righteous. And I, I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. The second is the statement of the king and the reply to the king of those to the left. The idea here that the king says to the sheep that they, they took care of the king when he was hungry, thirsty. He took, they took care of him when he was a stranger, naked, or sick in prison. It's not a new concept in the gospel. It isn't like Jesus just pulling this out of the bucket and putting it on the disciples and saying, here, it's like this. No, this is not new. We read through the gospel of Matthew. It was very common that Jesus would relate himself personally to that of these little people. Those who have been neglected, those who have been cast out. For example, in Matthew chapter 19, 13, and 15, Jesus points and connects the importance of how these little children, if you take these little children and welcome them to me, you welcome me. As well, in Matthew chapter 20, chapter 10, verses 40 to 42, which says this Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me, whom you sent me. And the one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive the prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is righteous, will receive the righteous person's reward. And whoever gives the one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by be no means lose his reward. Again, he connects how these little things, these little people, these little innocent things, how they relate to his disciple. They relate then, they relate to him, directly connecting to him. Jesus even highlights throughout the disciples the very clear differences between himself and that of the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests, and so on, the Levites. How for the fact 
that they would ignore those who they thought were sinners. Because they were sinners, we cannot talk to them. Because they were sinners, we cannot walk with them. Because they are sinners, we cannot sit with them. Because they were sinners, God forbid, we eat at the same table. They did not meet the standards in which they believe they should be held. They did not dress like me, they did not walk with me, and they definitely did not talk like me. This idea how Christ connects the differences to who he is among us. The goat in this parable are those who will say and live in a self-righteous idea. One thing, they see themselves as believers, or maybe not believers, but because they do good things. But they ignore the actual fact that Jesus has called us to follow in his way. Which means, likewise, we eat with sinners. We talk with sinners. We live with those who are not like us. We have problems. They have problems. We take those problems unto us. Why? Because we love them like Christ loved us. The goats change from being called goats to righteous because they see themselves that of that, that they earned their own righteousness which is not the same righteousness that Christ gives us. It's not the same righteousness that Christ gives to the Lamb that have the true faith and grace that Christ had given them. They took that faith and they lived it out. They received their true grace of recognizing their own sins, knowing that they need Jesus more than anything else, that what Christ was asking of us is not, it's not really an easy task. But they took what is not easy, and they lived it out, even if it was out of their comfort zone. Now the gospel continues, and we read that the king tells those on the left, because they have not, they have not done what is called to them. They have not accepted that gift of grace. They have sought only their own self-righteousness. They received the internal fire that is, was prepared for the devils and his angels. The king notes that out of their self-righteousness, out of their heart, they ignored the gift that Christ gave them. They ignored the grace, the gratitude, and lived their own declared righteousness, knowing Christ by ignoring those around them. They felt that they were not good enough for their comfort. They thought they were not good enough for those who were hurt, for those who were sick, for those who were strangers, for those who were in prison, and for those who were naked. They ignored the very least of these, and they received what that was the reward. Now, there's a challenge about this parable, just like the one last week, is that we can be confused on this idea of, well, I didn't do good works, right? We read, just read, that the, the shepherd, the king said to the sheep, you did this, and you were taught me like this, you did that, you did this, and therefore you get your reward. And because the, the goats did not do like that, they don't get their reward, the, we have to disconnect this idea of good works. Because what is good works? What is good works? I believe for a fact that those people that would be standing on the goat side are thinking to themselves, but I was a good person. I did good things. I helped my brother when he was sick. I helped my friend when he was sick. I helped all the people. I gave money. I gave money to this. I gave money to that. I was, I was involved 
But just like the goats and the sheep, the behavior might be similar. They might be similar. They might walk the same. They might look the same. They might even talk the same. You ever notice how a goat and a sheep, you know, ba ba, you know, kind of kind of sound similar? But the fact is, when the shepherd is separating, he knows the differences. He doesn't look just by a glance. He knows very clearly what is the goat and what is the sheep. And he can tell. He can walk, and he separates them. Our faith, our walk with God, is not based on the good works that we do. I had a conversation this past weekend with someone, actually, about this sort of subject. He's been thinking about his own uh, life and what he believes, and he's been looking at other religions. He works with people of other faiths, and he's trying to, to understand this whole concept of faith and belief. And exactly what he said was, well, I'm a good person. I do good things. Sounds familiar, right? This idea that he was so good, and, he, and through that goodness, he intended that although there are differences, those people are also good. Therefore, they have a similar reward. He's ignoring the truth of the gospel. He's, he's seeing himself as being self-righteous because he sees that he thinks what he's doing is good. What he thinks makes him feel good. And the thing is, the truth is, we can feel good about all the things that we do all the time. We can feel good about this and we feel good about that. But if you rely only on feeling good, I can tell you that that's not really the walk with God that you should have. Just because you, I can tell you that my thought and feeling about leaving Laos, leaving to being a missionary, it wasn't a good feeling. Okay? It was a challenge for me in my step in my walk with God. I was doing good things there, right? So why would I leave those good things and go to a place back home and it not have a good feeling? It was a challenge. It wasn't until later on I realized it was the right thing. It was the right call, the step that God had for me. But thankfully, our salvation isn't relied on our feelings. But we were reminded in this gospel that at the end of the day, at the end of time, at the end of life, Christ, who is king, will sit on his throne. He will sit there with all the angels around him. And he will know, he will know our hearts. He will know if we are a sheep or are we a goat. He will know because he is king over all. He is the king of kings. He is the son of man. He is our savior. He is our shepherd. If we ignore this point and we think that our good is our own way, he will know how to separate us. So my prayer for us today, the prayer is that I hope and pray that you know who our Lord and Savior is, that you know who died for you on the cross, that you know your own sin, that what he did for us we never deserved. But that we take what he did for us. We take what he did for us on the cross and we take up our own cross and we walk with Christ and we serve him not because of how we feel, not because we feel good about it, but because Christ alone did it for us.
Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you continue to work in us. Thank you that Christ did die for us and that we will stand on the left side. We will stand with those others around us that are sheep who walk with God, who walked with you, Christ, took care of those who are needy, love those who are strangers. I pray that you would help us to do that, to live a life like you, Christ, how you lived and walked with sinners, that you challenge us in our daily walk, that we will grow together in faith, that we will grow together to serve you. Although sometimes it might not feel good of what we're doing, but it is the right thing that you call us to do. I lift all these things to your son Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand together.